We welcome onto the phone lines from the class of 2021 National Football League Hall of Famer, Drew Pearson. Drew, good afternoon, and how are you, sir? I'm blessed. How are you guys doing? Doing terrific. I, hey, we were talking about it earlier today. Not sure what took so long, but uh, well-deserved, and we are excited for you and, uh, and can't, wait to, can't wait till it all takes place for you. Well, I'm not uh, counting those uh, – counting being in yet until I get that final – did you hear that knock? <laughs> yeah. I get, I get that final knock uh, uh, in February, and uh, the word comes uh, from David Baker saying you are a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Up until then, you know, I got to get 80% of the vote for that to happen. So up until then, I'm just praying and uh, trying to keep a level head about it and not trying to jinx it in any way for sure. Drew, let me ask you this. Obviously, with what happened uh, last year when the, you should have gone in then, and I know there was uh, unbelievable, you went through some unbelievable agony with all that. Can you explain to us kind of how, how you feel like they've, they've tried to right this ship? Because obviously, you, I mean, without question, you should have gone in then. How have you kind of navigated through what you're trying to do? And, and, and again, I, I know you're hoping you're going to get that knock, and, and we are too, but how have you navigated through that disappointment to where we are now? Yeah, it was a very disappointing moment in time for me back then. And, you know, I, I bared myself to, to the world there with my emotions, and you talk about reality TV, that was real reality TV because the emotions were real. Not just me, but everybody in that room uh, felt that, and they showed those kind of emotions. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I just knew that it was going to happen sooner or later. Uh, you know, when David Baker called me after that to very much apologize for me not being selected, in that centennial class, because he thought I would be uh, uh, selected. He said, you know, he said he didn't have a vote, but he usually writes down who he thinks goes in, and he had me on that list. But you know what I told him? I said, you know, I, I still respect the process. I told him, don't change the process. You know, what makes this so prestigious, what makes me cry on, on social media and national TV like that is the process. It's tough to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it should be. And it's tough because the process is uh, biased. It's because it's not transparent, and because of that, there's polit politics involved. There's no question. But it's also, and more so, uh, tougher to get in because there's so many great athletes, and there's so many guys that become eligible every year. You know, it's not like the other uh, Pro Hall of Fames, and all re due respect to them, but because we have so many players that play our game, that retire every year, that become eligible every year, more so than any other sport. So that makes it even harder to get in. But that's the point I wanted to get across with Mr. Baker is uh, don't change the process. Continue to make it, make it uh, tough as it is. And uh, because that's what, when you do get that call, guys, it makes it all worthwhile. I don't care if you're first ballot or you wait 37 years like I did uh, to hear your name called. Uh, it's all the same. It's all the same. Now, talking with Drew Pearson, former Dallas Cowboys receiver. You know, Drew, I, I, 
I, I guess I hurt for you having having worked with you for two years, and and, and you're right. I mean, I, my time with the Cowboys saw a lot of great players, saw a lot of Hall of Fame players, play, you know, coached against a lot of great players. But I, I'm going to say this: no one that that I've been around is a more. And I'll say this to our listeners, and I'm saying this to Tom, to you, and Garrett: no one. Is a, is a more classy individual, a more professional, a more stand-up guy than Drew Pearson. And I, all you got to do is we played We played when you made the selection in Philadelphia for the Cowboys' <laughs> second-round pick, Awuzier. So I, I, I felt like, Drew, it, it, it would go your way, and my fingers are crossed that you are going to get that knock. You're very deserving. Let's move to the Cowboys right now and kind of what you're mm-hmm. seeing right now. How do you, how do you see this football team – with the injury to Dak Prescott, how they almost didn't respond to what happened to Andy Dalton. How do you see this football team right now in the direction that the Dallas Cowboys are going right now? Well, guys, I I just see them in a survival mode at this point. And you know what? They're not the lone ranger in the NFL in that regard because a lot of teams are in that position. And especially – you guys there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, you, uh, and especially in the NFC East. So I think it's just in a survival mode and trying to get healthy as they can and get the best players out there to, to try to go through this two-game stretch uh, starting Sunday with Minnesota and then finishing up uh, next Thursday against uh, Minnesota, uh, excuse me, Washington on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so it's just a survival mode and, you know, trying to do what they can uh, with Andy Dalton, you know, taking over the helmet quarterback. I understand he's coming back. He'll play this game uh, coming up Sunday. So, you know, when we would have an injury, especially at quarterback, either with Roger or later in my career with Danny White, you know, what Coach Landry tried to do is just what we had the mentality. We just take that injured player out of the offense and insert somebody else, meaning that the rest of the offense can't change because of somebody else that you're putting into the offense no matter what position that might be, especially quarterback. So if Andy Dalton's up to speed with the rest of the offense, they don't need to catch – he needs to catch up to them. They don't need to regress to where he is. He needs to catch up to them. So if they could do that, I think they'll be okay. I understand the defense is playing a lot better. Uh, Stretch, you know this about schemes and understanding schemes on the defensive side of the football and how you have to gel with those. It might take some time for that to happen. You know, maybe that's starting to happen now for the uh, for the Cowboy defense. Drew, I, I want to take you back to uh, back to the the mid to late seventies, and I'm curious when when and obviously you, when you're playing, you're, you're you're there trying to win football games. But did you recognize that 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 group of that core group of players? How many really true? just world-class champion football players were on that roster from, from Dorsett as a, as a rookie to, to stall back to, to too tall to heart, all those guys. Did, did you, did you sit back and say, these, these are world-class champion football players? <laughs> uh, yes, I did. <laughs> you know what? Stretch uh, guys from day one. Okay. Because man, it was real, you know? You go from Tulsa University to a Dallas Cowboy locker room. You're around Roger Staubach, Bob Lilly, and Bob Hayes, and Leroy Jordan, people like that. And Man, you know, that's some serious stuff. And they were serious football players. They were serious about what we were doing. 
And you stretch, you mentioned some things about me, you know, being professional and all that. You know, I learned how to be a great football player, a good football player, being around the Dallas Cowboys and being coached by Tom Landry and staff. But I also became, learned how to become a professional, not just, you know, uh, on the field, but off the field as well, how to carry yourself, how to do interviews, how to, how to dress when you go into meetings and uh, try to prepare for life after football. And it's because I'm around all those kind of guys. And, yes, you know, when I was a rookie and they, they moved me down to Dallas, guys, uh, from Tulsa, they put me in a, an apartment complex uh, right next door to the Cowboy practice field with my balcony overlooked the Cowboy practice, uh, excuse me, the Cowboy practice field parking lot. And I recognized, I finally learned what kind of car Roger Staubach would have. And I learned that and I, every time I'd sit on that balcony waiting for Roger's car to show up <laughs> out there uh, to the practice field. And then I'd shoot right over to the practice field and start working out with him while he was there. And he couldn't figure out how come I was always there when he was there. But, you know, going through that process right then as a rookie, having those individual, pretty much individual workouts with a Roger Staubach right then told me what I needed to do to be a professional, what I needed to do to make it in the NFL. So, yeah, you're right. When I got around those guys, it was totally different from any experience I had at Tulsa University or even growing up in South Carolina, New Jersey, where football was king and all that kind of stuff. But this was totally different because now you're around men. You're around mature men, professional athletes, and you wanted to fit in with them. So you try to emulate and try to do what you could do to uh, do that. Drew Garrett Ross here. How frustrating is it as a receiver when you have a quarterback that can't get you the ball like we're seeing right now over the past few weeks in Dallas? Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I played with a Hall of Fame quarterback for eight years. I can't say that. But there are times when I wish he would throw throw it to me – had thrown it to me a little more often. There's no question about that. But Tony Hill would say that, and Butch Johnson, and everybody else in the offense. But I imagine it is it's it is frustrating. You know, that's another reason I was blessed. You know, when the Cowboys got down to the last cut my rookie year, uh, Gil Brandt told me they put they had put me on waivers, and the Chicago Bears claimed me. They had and the Cowboys had 24 hours to recall me. And in that process, they did recall me, and thank God, because I ended up playing quarterback, a wide receiver for a quarterback that ended up being a, a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks to play in the NFL, as opposed to playing in Chicago. Uh, Stretch, you probably remember this name, uh, Bobby Douglas. The runner, he could run around, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was a left-handed quarterback throwing, throwing curveballs in the dirt. So for that, the Cowboys don't reclaim me. I end up playing – with a quarterback like that. But that's the difference between uh, good, great wide receivers and regular wide receivers. I guess it's that quarterback position. A lot of receivers that come into the NFL don't get to play with great quarterbacks and a great system, great coaching staff, and all that kind of stuff with other great players. So you don't hear much about them or they don't have as much success. But I've been blessed to be able to play with uh, eight years with Roger and then after he left, you know, again, we just took Roger out of the offense and inserted Danny White, and we just kept rolling, almost averaging 30 points a game, even with Danny White as quarterback going to three straight NFC championship games. Well, Drew, I want I want you to know I appreciate you as a friend. I appreciate you as a colleague. I, I appreciate the time that I that I've had around you, and every time I'm around you, it 
your 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 infectious enthusiasm has always rubbed off on me, and and and, and I wanted uh, you know I wanted these guys in Central Texas to have uh, have a little bit of that, and I want you to know I appreciate you taking the time on a Thursday evening to jump on with us, and I, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Anytime, thank you guys. Be safe.